Yo, what's up everyone? Welcome. Welcome current listeners, new listeners. This is episode 27 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. It is great to have you in on a Wednesday, June 27th. Uh, we're, I think we're smack on a week. Uh, but I want to try to push this back to to you know what it's usually been Fridays and Saturdays so we'll see if we can get another one out this week maybe if not it would be the following Friday before I get another one out but let's jump right into this week's show episode 27 so let's start with a World Cup update who's in and who's out I haven't been following it all that much, so I'm just kind of on a, on a website here, just looking at the teams that are in and the teams that are out. Group A, Uruguay, and the Russians are moving on, and Egypt and Saudi Arabia are eliminated. No, excuse me. Uh, I did predict Ur- Uruguay out of this group. I did say Egypt also, uh, so it was kind of wrong there, but at least I got one of the teams right. The Russians, a little bit of a surprise. Usually the host teams, the past couple World Cups, haven't performed too well, but hey, they made it out of the uh, the first round here. Uh, Group B, Spain and Portugal are moving on. As expected and as predicted, Morocco and Iran have been eliminated. Group C, France and Denmark. Yes, France and Denmark have moved on from Group C, and Australia and Peru have been eliminated. Group D, Croatia and Argentina. Are moving on it appears Croatia destroyed in this group and it says something here about Argentina playing in a uh, playing in a knockout round I'm not sure exactly what that means maybe that they tied looks like they tied with France in the group possibly But it appears, the way I'm reading this, Croatia and Argentina are moving on from Group D. Uh, Nigeria and Iceland are eliminated. Group E, Brazil and Switzerland are moving on, it appears. Serbia could still grab one of the two spots in the knockout round. So, okay, I guess that means that Argentina has not yet, they have the second spot. But they they haven't clinched it, I guess, is what that means. Um, And then Costa Rica and... uh, Costa Rica has been the only one eliminated from this group. Um, Let's see. Serbia can still take the second spot. Group F, Mexico... Yeah, this group is really, really... uh, Interesting. Germany did not make it out of this group. They lost. Uh, I believe South Korea. I think South Korea and Mexico made it out. It actually might have been Sweden. I think Mexico might have missed it too. Germany and Mexico did not make it out of this group, I do not think. And that's a huge surprise because Mexico and Germany are two teams that were very... uh, Highly predicted to do very well in this World Cup, and Germany is the defending champs. So that's huge. Group G, Belgium, and England play each other this Thursday to determine who wins the group and then who finishes second. So those two will be moving on regardless of how their match plays out. Tunisia and Panama are out. Uh, excuse me, got a bit of a runny nose here. Uh, 
Oops. Uh, group H. Japan and Senegal lead the group. Uh, Colombia can advance and steal one of the top two spots if they beat Senegal. Uh, Poland is eliminated, but if Japan loses, Senegal and Colombia could both go through. So we've kind of had an interesting World Cup so far. Uh, Messi has scored his... Messi, I think yesterday, scored his first goal in over seven World Cup games. So he's finally back into things a little bit. But right now, currently, I guess I will put forth new predictions. I'm not sure how the new groups formulate and what the matchups are going to be. But predictions, I guess, just to win it all, I still like... Argentina, I still like Portugal a lot. Uruguay looks really good. Um, oh, I must have skipped a few groups here. No, I haven't. No, I, okay, no, we're good. I covered all the groups. Uh, I do like England a lot also. Brazil, obviously. Um, certainly, I am very interested in Messi and Ronaldo. I would love to see that kind of matchup in the later stages of this World Cup. But certainly we've had a great one so far. Um, but yeah, that's that's a World Cup update for right now. Uh, let's move on to some NFL news. Not much. I've only got a couple things to talk about. Jameis Winston, quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, suspended Three games, the first three games of this season, for an alleged uh, groping incident in an Uber ride. Something of that nature. Uh, but obviously, this isn't great for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't think they were going to be very good in this year, anyways. But without Jameis Winston, they certainly have no shot to win any games, really. And this is really bad for Jameis because he's kind of had a down couple years. And it's starting to look like, you know, Jameis Winston is not the guy in Tampa Bay. It's not who they need to move forward with. Uh, he has appealed the suspension. I don't know how the appeals work and how they get this stuff reduced. But who knows anymore what they'll do. It could be reduced to zero, it could be reduced to one, two, or it could stay at three. You never know, especially with the Zeke situation last year, where it was six games, then it was zero, then it was four, then it was zero, then it was six, and it was zero, then it was six, and it was just, you just never knew what was going to happen. So, we will follow this, of course. But yeah, not a good look for Jameis Winston right now in the Tampa Bay Bucks. And then the other thing I want to talk about in the NFL uh, right now, um, Earl Thomas still has not signed a contract extension with the Seahawks, but he's had his name swirled around in some trade rumors, especially pre-draft, during the draft. But everything sort of died down now. He really hasn't been attending any of the Seahawks' um, mini camps and OTAs. He hasn't attended any of that stuff. People do think he will be on, he will be at training camp for an NFL team come August. So I still think there's a huge possibility he can be traded. The, the Seahawks seem to, they they don't seem to have any urgency to sign. Earl Thomas to a, a contract extension. So it leads me to believe that they're exploring trade options. And so I want to detail some trade scenarios for Seahawks safety Earl Thomas. So just uh, let's see here. Um, obviously, first team Dallas Cowboys, this trade 
rumor has been circulating for a long time. Uh, but I think a fair trade offer, I think, is a couple picks, really. And maybe if you want to throw in, like, a corner, like Anthony Brown, I think that would be fine. I, I say, like, a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick. And if that doesn't do the job, then I would throw in Anthony Brown. And I think you have a... I think you have a pretty good trade offer there. And this trade is for the Cowboys is for an obvious reason. They have a glaring need at safety and they don't really have many people to fill that position. Uh, they've they've talked to the Seahawks before. The Seahawks were very hesitant to, to deal him in the draft. They did not really like what the Cowboys had to offer. They wanted a first-round pick. The Cowboys wouldn't do it. Wanted a second-rounder. The Cowboys wouldn't do it. The Cowboys were willing to give up a third. Seahawks said no. And that was that. It really shows that the Cowboys value their picks. They value the players that they they select with their picks. And they don't want to they don't want to give up those picks because there's a huge risk that you could miss out on, on a big player. They they got Connor Williams that fell to them in the draft. They got Leighton Van Der Esch who appears to be the next Luke Keekley. And you don't want to trade one of those picks for a guy that's twenty nine years old, almost entering thirty, and wants a contract extension. Albeit he's the best safety in the league, but age is starting to become a factor here. And I, and I think Earl Thomas immediately makes the Cowboys defense a, a million times better because they don't they do not have a leader in the secondary secondary that can just put them over the top. Earl Thomas wants to be in Dallas. Why not? Go get him if you're the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I get that they value their picks. That's a great thing to value your picks. But I think you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit, maybe a little bit more than you want to, just to get a star quality safety like Earl Thomas. The second team that I think makes sense for Earl Thomas is a trade with the New England Patriots of all teams. The Seahawks are in need of some offensive line help. I mean, so are the Patriots a little bit, but I think that the Patriots can give up an offensive lineman, give up a guard maybe. They, uh, the Seahawks really need any offensive lineman they can get. And then you maybe pair that up with a pick or two, one of the later round picks, four or five, maybe a three. And I think I think that's a that's a pretty good deal, especially for an aging safety. I definitely I don't I don't think the Seahawks want to do business with the Patriots. I don't think anybody does. But the Patriots have the ammunition to make a trade like this, and if they get Earl Thomas, man, like their defense wasn't too great last year. It was a bunch of no names. They weren't great in the middle of the field, but situationally in the red zone, they were outstanding. You add Earl Thomas to that to that defense, certainly a whole lot better situationally, and probably better just in the open field before teams get into the red zone. Uh, and then the final team that I think makes sense for the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks to make a trade as the Los Angeles Chargers. And imagine pairing Earl Thomas with Derwin James. I think that would be just an outstanding defense. That defense right now is already great. Derwin James, Casey Hayward, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. You add Earl Thomas to that mix. Seahawks can get a, a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick in return. And gosh, the Chargers, I think, would be 
one of the top favorites in the AFC to make it to the Super Bowl. I really do like the Chargers this year as they are concurrently constructed. You add Earl Thomas to that, I think for sure AFC championship berth. And then you're going to have to get to New England to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, if you just if you think about it, Derwin James and Earl Thomas together, you can have Earl Thomas kind of roam the. Uh, he can be like a center fielder. He's very rangy, and he can just kind of roam in the back. And then you kind of have Derwin James kind of be more aggressive and go up and make some tackles. I mean, that's an excellent one-two punch. And gosh. The, the, now, the only thing is the Chargers don't have much salary cap space to work with, but they can certainly restructure some deals. They can restructure Phillip Rivers' deal, Travis Benjamin. If they can do all that. And I think the best deal out of these three I just listed I think the best deal for the Seattle Seahawks would be the Chargers. I think the Chargers have the most to offer. They can offer some of those earlier round picks, like a second and a fourth, instead of like the fourth and fifths that the Cowboys or the Patriots could give you. And you're trading him to a team that's not the best in the league like the Patriots and out of... You're trading him out of uh, the NFC, so you're not. Dallas isn't going to is Dallas being in the NFC, they're not going to get him, so they're not going to hurt. He's not going to hurt you there. You send him to the AFC, you likely won't see him, and he's going to a team that's not the best in football, like the Patriots. And obviously, Earl Thomas is going to prefer Dallas. I mean, he literally told him that after their after their game last year. He went into the Cowboys locker room and told Jason Garrett, come get me. So obviously he wants to be there. But it's not up to Earl Thomas. It's up to what is best for the Seahawks. And I think what's best is the Chargers deal that I just proposed. And obviously these teams are going to have to make room for them for for them to be able to sign him. Because you know he wants to be paid like the best safety in football. And he probably is the best safety in football. So you've got to re-sign him. And teams are going to have to clear up the space to go get him. Alright. Over to some NBA. I want to shift gears. Um, the NBA draft was last Thursday, and it was very, it was a very, I don't know what the word is, underwhelming, kind of not very exciting. Uh, like really, once you get outside the lottery, there's absolutely no excitement at all, unless there's a player with a great story. Or if trades happen, that's really the only reason why people watch the draft now is because they want to see trades happen. And we really didn't have any trades. I'm sorry, my phone is blown up here. Let me turn off the ringer. Um, the only trade that I can think of that was notable was the Mavs and Hawks trade pl traded places and the Hawks got Trey Young and the Mavericks got Luka Doncic and the Mavs have had tremendous success with European players most notably Dirk Nowitzki so they really wanted to get Doncic because they think he can be their next cornerstone and I do like Doncic I think he is vulnerable defensively he's not very athletic but he can shoot he can pass, and he's the most successful European player in the history of uh, EuroLeague basketball. So there's something something to be said for that. 
Uh, DeAndre Ayton went first overall to the Suns, as expected. I think he is Carl Anthony Towns now. Everybody, every bit as good as him. Um, number two was Marvin Bagley, the third to the Kings. Very smooth offensively in the face-up game, post-up. Uh, tremendous help side defender, great rebounder. I think he can have an immediate impact right away on the Kings. Uh, number three, of course, was Luka Doncic to the Mavs. Number four was Jaron Jackson to the Memphis Grizzlies. Number five, uh, number five was Don or was Trey Young to the Hawks. And I think the most notable thing about this particular draft class was Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. was projected in the range of two to seven. And he fell all the way to the last pick of the lottery, the Denver Nuggets at 14. And I think it's actually a great fit. They have Jamal Murray at the two. At the one... Actually, Jamal Murray might be their point guard, and then they have Gary Harris at the two. And then Michael Porter would be their three. But there are concerns about his health, and I think that's the reason why he fell. Uh, he's very much like a Paul George. I think he is. I think he has the talent to be the next Paul George. Maybe Kevin Durant. He's got a very good mixture of that. But obviously, teams were very concerned about his injury history. When you have spine injuries, that's very concerning. And that's the obvious reason why he felt. He kept saying he was fine. He was cleared up. He felt great. But teams didn't like his, his medical information. They didn't like it. And there is a chance for re-injury. Even though he said there's no chance for re-injury, there is a chance for re-injury. And he could be, honestly, like Greg Oden when he came into the league. Obviously, there's a difference. It's not like Michael Porter Jr. was drafted number one overall. But in terms of how hyped he was, could have been a number one pick last year, even though he was a freshman this year. But he, he was that good. People would have drafted him number one overall last year. Just with the hype and then the injury, him falling, he seems like a Greg Oden to me. Although I think he has the highest superstar potential, I think he can be the biggest bust of the lottery in this draft. Um, and then I can't really think of any other notable things from the draft. Uh, there was no... Movement with trades. The Lakers did acquire a second round pick. And usually when you acquire picks, that kind of lubricates deals and, and kind of makes things easier to make a big trade. So it kind of seemed like they were going to go after Kawhi Leonard. And the thing about second round picks is they don't count against the cap. So you can really use those to kind of soften up deals, lubricate them a little bit. They could have maybe pawned off the Luol Deng contract, thrown a second-round pick in there, and it really, really, really would have helped out the Lakers a lot. Obviously, nothing transpired out of that. I can't think of any other notable trades besides you know, swapping picks and draft rights. But yeah, it was a largely unentertaining draft. I think there's some very entertaining players in the draft, but the draft is just not, it's not as enjoyable to watch as it used to be. All right, so it's been a couple episodes since I have continued my NBA Top 30. I missed it, I think, the last two episodes. Just completely forgot about it. We are on 20... Well, we've been doing every five. I'm going to do ten since I've missed two episodes. We're going to go 20 through 11. And we'll start at number 20. Um, just to recap real quick. Hang on. 
just to recap, we have Mike Conley at 30, Andre Drummond 29, Paul Millsap 28, Al Horford 27, Victor Oladipo 26, Blake Griffin 25, Kyle Lowry 24, Christophs Porzingis 23, DeMar DeRozan 22, Ben Simmons 21. Now, on number 20, I have John Wall. And honestly, John Wall could be lower on this list. But just from a pure talent perspective, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him at 20. I think Ben Simmons might have be, might he might be better than uh, than John Wall now, but John Wall was injured last year. I'm going to give him the benefit of, of the doubt. He is a superstar. John Wall, 20. Rudy Gobert, number 19. Big-time defensive anchor. Candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. And we're going to get into the NBA awards in just a minute. Damian Lillard, number 18. He was a MVP candidate this season. Draymond Green, 17. Joel Embiid, 16. Clay Thompson, 15. Chris Paul, 14. Paul George, 13. DeMarcus Cousins, 12. Carl Anthony Towns at 11. Those are my players in the 20 through 11 range. And remember, this is all subjective. This is all in my opinion. I do think DeMarcus Cousins is a really good player, but I do think Carl Anthony Towns is probably better. He is younger. DeMarcus Cousins is injured. But yeah, I we will get to number numbers 10 through 5 actually 10 through 6 in the next episode. But yes, that is 20 through 11, NBA Top 30, John Wall 20, Rudy Gobert 19, Dame Lillard 18, Draymond 17, Joel Embiid 16, Sharpshooter Clay Thompson 15, Chris Paul 14, Paul George 13, Boogie Cousins 12, Carl Anthony Towns 11. All right, let's move on to the NBA award winners. The awards were announced, I believe, either yesterday or the day before. Um, MVP, I think, was obvious. It was James Harden. I would have voted for LeBron James. I think people say that like James Harden just absolutely deserted this year. He had such a terrific season. His numbers were incredible. LeBron James outmatched James Harden in every statistical category and also led a team of scrubs to the – well, I guess the playoffs don't necessarily matter in this race. But if you just look at what, what he had to put up with, IT being hurt, not getting along, and some of his other players traded them all away, had to rebuild, reboot, and you know traded away 40% of their team, 45% of their team, and basically had to start over. So I think it was an extremely tough situation to handle, put up outstanding numbers, led the Cavs to the fourth seed in the East. I would have voted for LeBron James. James Harden had a great season. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting putting down James Harden. Tremendous season. But if you take James Harden off that team, I think they still, they're still fine. Chris Paul. They're still fine with Chris Paul. I, I would argue James Harden is not the most valuable player on his team. Chris Paul is certainly the most valuable player on the Houston Rockets. And it showed in the Western Conference Finals. Houston had Golden State down until Chris Paul got hurt. Chris Paul plays in Game 6 and Game 7. 
Golden State, I don't think, are champions again this year. LeBron James should be the MVP of the league every year. The problem is they're not going to give it to him every year because it's just not fair. But, I mean, life isn't fair. LeBron James is as good as we have really ever seen in the NBA. Um, rookie of the year was Ben Simmons. I kind of have a problem with that. Uh, ben Simmons is not a rookie. He had a year, a year in this league. Granted, he didn't play, but he understood the way the NBA game was played. He played some summer league stuff, and I just don't class him as a rookie. I would have given Donovan Mitchell my vote just because he was a true rookie. He was a part of that class. I think if you don't play, then even if you don't play your first season, you're no longer a rookie. It's kind of with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid was a rookie. Like he was three years in the league, and he still hadn't played a single game yet. And when he started playing, he was classed as a rookie. I don't like that. doesn't make much sense. Donovan Mitchell was my rookie of the year, but obviously Ben Simmons is a tremendous player. And, I mean, the rules, the rules are the rules. That's how it works. Defensive player of the year was Rudy Gobert. That was who I would have voted for. Big-time shot blocker, excellent rebounder. He's not very skilled offensively, but, hey, this isn't an offensive award. This is a defensive award. And Anthony Davis obviously would have been a great candidate for this, but with him being a finalist for the MVP award, I don't think it would have been fair to give him Defensive Player of the Year. Rudy Gobert is an outstanding defensive anchor, certainly the best defensive player, defensive big in the league, I think. Sixth Man of the Year, surprise, spoiler alert, Lou Williams, so it's not really a surprise at all. It seems like either him or Jamal Crawford win it every year. It's kind of every other year they go back and forth. I mean, Lou is an excellent scorer. Really contributes off the bench. Great shooter. Really just a great scorer in general. Can really get his shot from anywhere, get to the basket. So I'm not surprised he won this award. Eric Gordon also would have been a candidate. He was also a finalist for this award. Um, I would have been okay with either. Certainly not bothered by Lou Williams winning this. He is a tremendous player when he comes off the bench. Most improved player, Victor Oladipo ran away with this one. Uh, I mean... Playing on the Oklahoma City Thunder, he only averaged around 16 points a game. And, you know, once he left, once he was traded to the Pacers, his scoring jumped up to 23. He was much more efficient, which is something to be said about Russell Westbrook. It seems like when players leave, they become more efficient. Uh, and speaking of the Thunder, all three superstars that were on the Thunder previously, Harden, KD, and Russ, they're all MVPs. And and that that's incredible. That has that's a, a testament to the Oklahoma City franchise because they kind of grew and developed those players. But it also is a knock on Oklahoma City too because they've let two of those players go. So I don't know how you let go of two future MVPs, but hey, hopefully they can keep Paul George, which I don't think they will. But that we'll get into this later. Uh, most improved player, Victor Oladipo, certainly deserving, much more efficient, better scorer, um, and he is the man in Indiana. Uh, coach of the year. Coach of the year was Dwayne Casey. He led the Toronto Raptors to a franchise record in wins. Uh, I don't. I think it was his their fourth or fifth consecutive playoff appearance. 
something along those lines. Um, and he was fired. So, I mean, that's kind of ironic. Uh, lost, got swept by LeBron and the Cavs in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And they just they haven't really been haven't been able to get over the hump, and that's why he was fired. And they kind of needed to change. But I would have voted for Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, I think, is a far better coach. He did far better with far less. Didn't have Gordon Hayward this year, and Kyrie Irving got hurt at the end of the year, and they managed to hold on to the number one seed. So that would have been my vote, but those are the NBA awards. And really what we're waiting for now, in a couple days, free agency starts. Free agency starts the 29th of June, so in two days. And right now I'm going to predict, I'm going to make some predictions for free agency come July 1st, what I think will happen or what I think will have already happened by July 1st. So I think DeMarcus Cousins, either before or on July 1st, will sign with the Dallas Mavericks. Teams are going to be hesitant, hesitant to offer him a max contract just because he's a big guy who's coming off of an Achilles injury. And the Mavericks are going to overpay for him. They're really going to they're going to overpay and get their star big man. They're going to have to wait until probably, I don't know when he got hurt, but it's going to be close to the middle of the season before he even comes back. And with him, Doncic, and Dennis Smith Jr., I think that's a very solid team. You bring back Dirk for a year. I mean, that's a good team, and that could, I don't know if they make the playoffs, but certainly you're going to be fighting for a playoff spot come the end of the year. Uh, Chris Paul. Uh, there was re reported tension uh, with between him and the Rockets. Uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think he's ultimately going to resign with the Rockets on or before July 1st. Uh, I believe the Rockets are also going to retain Clint Capella. And they really need Capella, and I think in order for them to keep Chris Paul, they're going to need to keep Clint Capella. And if they keep Clint Capella, I think their LeBron hopes are out the window. They don't. They won't have enough space unless they really clear some contracts, but they wouldn't have a bench. Uh, but uh, ultimately, I think the Rockets retain Clint Capella also. Uh, Paul George. Bit of an interesting one. Um, the Lakers and the Thunder can offer essentially the same salary every year for for a four-year contract. But Oklahoma City can offer a fifth year, $40 million. And that kind of, you know, that kind of changes things a little bit. They can offer $40 million for a fifth year. And... I think that's very intriguing if I'm Paul George. Uh, but I know he certainly does want to be in L.A. And I think he will be a Laker come July 1st. Kevin Durant, for obvious reasons, back-to-back -back titles. They'll have a great opportunity to go for a three-peat next year. He's going to stay in Golden State. Kawhi Leonard. By July 1st, he will still be a member of the San Antonio Spurs, I think. The Spurs don't really want to trade him to a Western Conference team. They will do it if they have to, but they don't really want to. Teams have been making offers. Uh, the Celtics, the 76ers, the Clippers have all made offers. I believe the, the uh, Cavs have also made an offer. Um, the Spurs won't talk to the Lakers at all and I think they won't talk to the Lakers because they know a super team will form if they trade Kawhi Leonard there um, I think it's 
highly probable he goes to an Eastern Conference team. I think Boston would be a team that would gamble on Kawhi Leonard and probably think they can get him to stay. There's just that's really the only problem with this with trading Kawhi Leonard is do teams possibly want to only have him for a year and trade away some value valuable assets to the Spurs? Like the Celtics can offer a great package for Kawhi Leonard. They can offer a great package. But if there's no guarantee he stays with the Celtics, it's all for nothing. I mean, it is all for nothing. Ultimately, I think a Western Conference team is what I think the Spurs will have to do. I know the Spurs really want to trade him to the East. But Kawhi kind of holds the cards here. He's got the leverage. He said he wants to play in L.A., preferably the Lakers. And that that really puts teams off from wanting to trade for him because there's no guarantee he'll stay. There's no guarantee at all. And that's really, I think that's why it's really important for the Spurs to try to find a deal with a team from the Eastern Conference because they know he's, he's no threat to their team in their own conference. A super team won't form with LeBron and Paul George. They're really going to have to try to mend this relationship in order to kind of save themselves and save the rest of the league from a super team. Uh, but ultimately, I think he will be still a member of the San Antonio Spurs by July 1st. And there's no rush for a deal on Kawhi Leonard. There's really no rush. The, the Spurs have until February of next year, the, the trade deadline, to, to trade Kawhi Leonard. I think it would be a mistake to wait that long. But they don't have to rush right now. And I don't think they're going to. And then finally, LeBron James. Um, obviously, he's going to opt out. That's what he always does every year. But I think he will still be undecided by July 1st. Right now, I think there's just too many questions. There's too many moving parts. There's no guarantee Paul George is going to the Lakers. There's no guarantee the Lakers can put together a deal to get Kawhi Leonard. And, and LeBron always makes sure his decisions are standalone events. I mean, the last two decisions he's made when he first left for Miami, that was a post-July 4th decision. And then when he went back to Cleveland, that was also a post-July 4th decision. That's usually, that's usually uh, after everyone else has already signed contracts. He makes sure that it's all that all eyes are on him when he makes his decision. And right now there was a report that LeBron would be hesitant to be the first superstar to sign with the Lakers. He would rather go there knowing there is somebody like a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George already in Los Angeles. And that really kind of puts the pressure on the Lakers to to get Kawhi in a trade or sign Paul George immediately. And I think I think there is a chance the Lakers could go 0 for 3 this summer. Paul George could look at the money in Oklahoma City and say, I want a $40 million fifth year. The Spurs may not trade. Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. He might go to an Eastern Conference team. And LeBron isn't going to the Lakers by himself. There is a chance the Lakers could go over three this summer. I don't think they will. I think they will get at least one. I think they will get at least Paul George. And if they get Paul George, that's fine. You add Paul George to the to the core they currently have, 
I think they're close to a 50-win team. They'll probably win 45 games. And they'll be vying for a playoff spot. Lonzo Ball is not going to be as injured. He's been working on his body this summer. Brandon Ingram's not going to miss 30 games. Kuzma's going to be better. I mean, that's a 45-win team vying for a playoff spot. That's pretty good. And the silver lining is, if you get just one in Paul George, let's say you make the playoffs next year as an AC, get bounced out first round, whatever, the Lakers still have the flexibility in the cap space to sign one more max free agent the following summer. They could sign Kawhi. Maybe they want to go after LeBron again. Maybe they want to sign Clay Thompson. Maybe maybe they go after Kemba Walker. I believe Kemba Walker is also a free agent. Jimmy Butler is out there. I think the Lakers are at least going to go one for three. And then they'll have a great chance to sign one of those one of those other guys the following summer. There is a chance they could go 0 for 3, but I don't see it. I see them going at least 1 for 3 and then getting another guy the following summer if they can't attract LeBron or get Kawhi this year. But it's certainly a lot to keep our eyes on. Uh, it's June 27th right now. We've got two days until free agency starts. It's going to be complete mayhem. I am really excited to find out what happens. We're, we, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a show probably this this week, uh, the end of this week. Maybe we can shoot for July 4th. Or I'm sorry, not July 4th, but July 1st. Maybe I can just kind of report on all the signings as they happen. Uh, it wouldn't be like a live show. I would kind of just record and just kind of say things as they happen, I suppose. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens uh, when the time comes. Um, yeah, but that's all for me this week, guys. Um, thank you for tuning in. Share this with your friends, parents, enemies, coworkers, uh, anybody you like. Trying to grow the brand, trying to, uh, you know, reach a, a, a broader audience. Really want people to listen to my show. Please give me some feedback. Give me, rate and review the show on iTunes. Give me, give me some feedback there. Uh, like and comment. Like this episode. If you enjoyed it, comment some feedback. Let me know what you guys want me to talk about. You know, sports is sort of dying down right now. We don't have much to talk about except free agency. Baseball is a very long season. No one really wants to talk about that. But if you want me to talk about it, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about anything. Um, but, yes, rate and review, like and comment, subscribe. Um, yeah, that is it for me we'll see you probably at the end of this week it is wfs
one time You and all your girls in the club one time All so convinced that you're following your heart Cause your mind don't control what it does sometimes We all have our nights though Don't be so ashamed I've had mine, you've had yours We both know, we know the dream when they sold you once and you love your friends but somebody should have told you something to save you instead they said 